what's up you guys this is april with the for richer horror podcast uh, if you guys saw my upload last week i did have to miss that week due to my dog being a bit of an asshole and eating a shit ton of chocolate he's sitting right here yeah he's doing okay if anyone was concerned but that was just a little bit too much chocolate for you loki you really shouldn't be eating that anyway this week's episode oh sorry if my voice kind of sounds weird my throat's a little bit scratchy um this week's episode we're going to be talking about the dark web the deep web and a little bit of the surface web i know that this episode is a little late to come out since i already read a creepypasta about the dark web and i didn't first explain what it was for those that don't know but oh well here we go so in my research on the dark web something i found funny that's not really related to the dark web that it was the first ad that popped up when i searched dark web on google and that was five vpns that can allow you to access the dark web that is interesting not sure i trust it i really don't trust anything involving the dark web at all but uh that was just something interesting i found maybe someone else will get a laugh out of it but anyway one day I may go in depth on different sites you might find on the dark web, like Silk Road in particular, because that's an interesting story from who created it, how the FBI caught him. But today I'll just go over what the dark web is and what is contained in it. And I won't go too in depth on the different things you can find within. So what is the dark web? The dark web is the World Wide Web content that exists on darknets. There's overlay networks that use the internet but require specific software configurations or authorization to access. Through the dark web, private computer networks can communicate and conduct business anonymously without divulging identifying information such as a user's location. The dark web forms a small part of the deep web, the part of the web not indexed by web search engines, although sometimes the term dark deep web is mistakenly used to refer to specifically, <laughs> specifically, sorry, specifically to the dark web. You may have seen the image of an iceberg where it shows, you know, above surface is the surface web. Crazy idea, I know. Uh, and then underneath the whole expansive iceberg underneath the water that you cannot see is the deep web. And then at the very, very bottom is the dark web. So the dark nets, which constitute the dark web, include small friend to friend, peer to peer networks, as well as large popular networks, such as Tor, Freenet, I2P, and Rifle which are operated by public organizations and individuals. Users of the dark web refer to the regular web as ClearNet due to its unencrypted nature. The Tor dark web or Onion Land, that's the one I'll mostly be referring to as Tor because that's the one I'm most familiar with and it uses the dot onion, uh, uses the traffic anonymization technique of onion routing under the network's top level domain suffix dot onion the term dark web first emerged in 2009 however it is unknown when the actual dark web really first emerged many internet users only use the surface web myself included 
that's not going to change. Uh, data that can be accessed by a typical Google browser. That's the surface web. That's what most of us use. I hope. The dark web forms a small part of the deep web, but requires custom software in order to access its content. This confusion dates back to at least 2009. Since then, especially in reporting on Silk Road, the two terms have often been conflated despite recommendations that they really should be distinguished because the deep web isn't as scary as a place as the dark web is, from my understanding. The dark web, also known as darknet websites, are accessible only through networks such as TOR, which stands for the Onion Routing Project. And they are created specifically for the dark web. Tor browser and Tor accessible sites are widely used among the darknet users and can be identified by the domain .onion. Tor browsers create encrypted entry posts and pathways for the users, allowing their dark web searches and actions to be completely anonymous. Identities and locations of darknet users stay anonymous and cannot be tracked due to the layered encryption system. The darknet encryption technology routes users' data through a large number of intermediate servers, which protects the user's identity and guarantees anonymity. If you do it right, that is. If you do it right. I've never personally been on the dark web, I have no desire to do so, but if you do it incorrectly, if you don't hide your IP address, you can be found. And it is very scary what kind of people you may encounter on the dark web who will now know where you fucking live. Hide your fucking IP address if you ever go on the dark web. At the very least. Very least do that. The transmitted information can be decrypted only by a subsequent node in the scheme, which leads to the exit node. The complicated system makes it almost impossible to reproduce the node path and decrypt the information layer by layer. Due to the high level of encryption, websites are not able to track geolocation and IP of their users, and users are not able to get the information about the host on some dark nets, on some of them. Some of them you can. I have heard many a story about people not covering their IP address, making it visible, they can be found. Thus, communication between darknet users is highly encrypted, allowing users to talk, blog, and share files confidentially. Kind of. <laughs> so, what exactly can you do on the dark web? I've talked about what it is, but what can you do? You can uh, hire a hitman. You can... Watch snuff films. If anyone doesn't know what snuff films is, it's literally people being fucking murdered uh, by drugs on the Silk Road. Well, not anymore. But uh, there's the Cannibal Cafe. This is where arms trafficking, sex trafficking, child trafficking, and child porn is found. It's fucking horrific. It's an abomination to mankind, honestly. It really is. I will say that with no qualms whatsoever. You can watch people be tortured, raped, and killed. You can be involved in the process of human trafficking. And you may ask yourself, how are people not caught? Yes, IP addresses are hidden and there is anonymity. But if money is switching hands, how is that not able to be tracked? Well, 
that is where cryptocurrency comes in. Pepper, can you not be so loud while I'm recording? Thank you. Where was I? But yeah, that's where cryptocurrency comes in. It isn't trackable. So it's the perfect currency to use to continue the anonymous nature. Oh my God, you bitch. I'm closing the door. You can stay in here, Loki. You're not as annoying. Alrighty, where were we? As I was cussing out my rabbit. Uh, but yeah, cryptocurrency, it is really trackable. It's really the perfect currency to use to continue the anonymous nature of the dark web. Commercial darknet markets mediate transactions for illegal goods and typically use cryptocurrency as payment. The pairing of dark web services with the cryptocurrency has led to expectations of a boom in crime. A decade ago, an unknown cryptography expert with particular experience in cracking passwords, um, who used alias Satoshi Nakamoto, developed the world's first currency and payment network not controlled by a national government. This was Bitcoin. Originally a niche medium of exchange for technology community, Bitcoin emerged in 2011 as the currency of choice for drug dealers, conducting transactions on a dark website known as Silk Road. Over the past five years, the combination of an encrypted network hidden from most of the world and a transactional currency that is nearly untrackable by law enforcement officials results in a small but significant marketplace of illicit vendors selling illegal wares. Uh, the close to 200 domains cataloged as legal by Terbium Labs, more than 75% appear to be marketplaces. Many of these are fueled by Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies such as Monero. Recreational and pharmaceutical drugs are most popular products, followed by stolen counterfeit documents such as identities, credit cards, and bank credentials. Some sites offer hacking and technological crime services, including malware, distributed denial of services attacks, and hacking for hire. A good number offer a mix of these and other products, including pornography and counterfeit goods. This extremely sought after form of money that is valued so high these days was used to pay for hitmen. It was used to pay for drugs. It was used to see how people would die. It was used to buy meth and heroin. It was used to pay for humans, essentially, human trafficking. And it's still used to this day. Or what other cryptocurrency is hot commodity nowadays? Everyone talks about how money these days is disgusting with feces on it. Every dollar has traces, trace amounts of cocaine on it. But this virtual form of money is literally just soaked in blood. Have fun getting your Bitcoin now. <laughs> I'm very interested in the dark web, but it's an extremely morbid sort of curiosity. I enjoy things that scare me because that is what the dark web does. It fucking terrifies me. I've been on 4chan, I think 8chan as well, but that was more than enough to freak me out. Like, I don't need to go any further than that. But let's get into what is contained in the dark web and let's start at number one. The type of content that has most popularity on the dark web is illegal pornography. More specifically, child pornography. About 80% of its web traffic is related to accessing child pornography, despite it being difficult to find even on the dark web. 
a website called Lolita City that has since been taken down contained over 100 gigabytes of child pornographic media had about 15,000 members. There's uh, regular law enforcement action against sites distributing child pornography, often via compromising the site and tracking users' IP addresses. In 2015, the FBI investigated and took down a website called Playpen. At the time, Playpen was the largest child pornography website on the dark web with over 200,000 members. Sites use complex systems of guides, forms, and community regulations. Other content includes sexualized torture and killing of animals and revenge porn. In May of 2021, German police said that they had dismantled one of the world's biggest child pornography networks on the dark web known as Boys Town. The website had over 400,000 registered users. Four people had been detained in raids, including a man from Paraguay on suspicion of running the network. Europol uh, said several pedophile chat sites were also taken down in the German-led intelligence operation. Another popular source of dark web content is uh, fucking terrorism. Yeah, terrorist organizations took to the internet as early as the 1990s. However, the birth of the dark web attracted these organizations due to the anonymity, lack of regulation, its ability to have social interaction, and its ease of accessibility. These groups have been taking advantage of the chat platforms within the dark web to inspire terrorist attacks. Groups have been posted how-to guides teaching people how to become and hide their identities as terrorists. The dark web became a form for terrorist propaganda, guiding information, and most importantly, funding. With the introduction of Bitcoin and anonymous transactions were created, which allowed for anonymous donations and funding. By accepting Bitcoin, terrorists were now able to fund money to purchase weaponry. In 2018, an individual named Ahmed Sursur was charged for attempting to purchase explosives and hire snipers to aid Syrian terrorists, as well as attempting to provide them financial support all through the dark web. There are at least some real and fraudulent websites claimed to be used by ISIS, including a fake one seized in Operation Anonymous. With the increase of technology, it allowed cyber terrorists to flourish by attacking the weaknesses of the technology. In the wake of the Paris attacks, an actual such site was hacked by anonymous affiliated hacker group GhostSec and replaced with an advert for Prozac. <laughs> the uh, Radishak's Islamist group was found to be operating on the dark web at one time. Something that blew me the fuck away was the social media aspect of the dark web. I knew about the forums and the chat rooms, but social media? That sounded so weird. Within the dark web, there exists emerging social media platforms similar to those of the World Wide Web. This is known as the Dark Web Social Network, DWSN. The DWSN works 
like a regular social network site where members can have customizable page, have friends, like posts, and blog and forums. Facebook and other traditional social media platforms have begun to make dark web versions of their websites to address problems associated with the traditional platforms and to continue their services in all areas of the World Wide Web. Unlike Facebook, the privacy policy of the DS DWSN requires that members are to reveal absolutely no personal information and remain anonymous. Let's now move into a couple very well-known websites on the dark web. We'll start with the aforementioned Silk Road. If you don't know, this isn't referring to the ancient Silk Road that was in China where people bartered and traded though that component was still kept to a degree. This is the website where you go if you're looking for meth, heroin, crack, coke, and a plethora of other drugs I've probably never heard of. Yes, Silk Road was the way for you to securely purchase and receive your illegal substance of choice. Silk Road was an online black market and the first modern darknet market. As part of the dark web, it was operated as a Tor hidden service, such that online users were able to browse it anonymously and securely without potential traffic monitoring. The website was launched in February of 2011 and development had begun six months prior. Initially, there was a limited number of new seller accounts available. New sellers had to purchase an account in an auction. Later, a fixed fee was charged for each new seller account. Silk Road provided goods and services to over 100,000 buyers. As you might have noticed, I am using the past tense. That is because Silk Road was shut down by the FBI in 2013. Isn't that such great news? They were able to locate the creator, track him down, stop Silk Road, and then everything ended with uh, happily ever after, right? That's how it's supposed to go. Well, not quite. Silk Road 2.0 was launched one month after the original one was shut down. They jumped on that shit real quick, though Silk Road 2.0 was shut down a year later, but there's a new Silk Road every time. If the illegal transactions of illicit substances don't scare you, maybe cannibals will? Next, we have the very aptly named Cannibal Cafe. This cannibalistic form is about eating people and being eaten by people. Here, people log in requests to get eaten or eat others, talk about their cannibalistic fantasies. Some of you might be familiar with Armin Muse and Jer Jurgen Brandis. Armin posted on a forum in 2001 looking for an 18 to 30 year old well-built man to whine and then dine on. He found Jurgen Brandis, a willing participant. While he didn't exactly fit the description, Armin was still happy to drug him, slice off pieces of him, and consume him. He was of course caught, but it uh, made for an interesting court case as Jurgen did give his consent to be eaten and killed. But Armin, of course, was still tried and convicted. You may have noticed that I said that it happened in 2001. But prior, I had said that the dark web didn't launch until 2009. While the 2009 date isn't completely verified, though this was 2001. The Cannibal Cafe didn't start on the dark web or even the deep web. 
It started on the surface web. Isn't that fucking terrifying? You could just access Candle Cafe and someone may just wanna be like, mm, you look like you taste good. That shit's creepy. As recent as September of 2020, a man was arrested for trying to rape and consume a 13 year old girl. Turns out this was actually a sting operation and the attempted cannibal was set up to meet an undercover cop, not the person he was planning to eat exactly. So something weird about this whole situation is that there is actually a restaurant in Vancouver called Cannibal Cafe. While it doesn't sell uh, people, it seems like it's its own butcher and they apparently sell very fresh burgers. That's a very interesting name to use, I must say, because it's fucking Cannibal Cafe. What the fuck's wrong with you? Anyway, let's delve a little bit into more of a historical background on the deep web and more particularly why it was originally created. In the late 1990s, two research organizations in the U.S. Department of Defense drove efforts to develop an anonymous and encrypted network that would protect the sensitive communication of U.S. spies. This secret network would not be known or accessible to ordinary internet surfers. It was used as a way for private information to be passed along with no trails and no chance for the information to be intercepted by anyone else. How Tor turned into an accessible search engine for illicit activity afterwards, I have no clue, but that is what happened. After doing all this research, I started to think, is there really any upside to the dark web? Or is it just all horrific and vile dangerous, illegal shit. Well, for individuals living under oppressive regimes that block large parts of the internet or punish political dissent, the dark web is a lifeline that provides access to information and protection from persecution. In freer societies, it can be a critical whistleblowing and communication tool that shields people from retribution or judgment in the workplace or community. Alternatively, it can simply deliver privacy and anonymity for those weary of how corporations and governments are tracking, using, and potentially monetizing their data. Today, many organizations maintain a hidden website on Tor, including nearly every major newspaper. Facebook, and even the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, yes, the CIA, is on the dark web. This is because a tour website demonstrates a sometimes symbolic commitment to privacy. The New York Times and the CIA, for example, are both hoping to facilitate communication with virtual walk-ins who can provide sensitive information, you know, those whistleblowers. That can, of course, get twisted and become malicious, but I had to try, at the very least, to end this very morbid episode on somewhat of a happy note. So there you have it. That is the dark web, deep web, surface web, tour, dot onion suffix. That's, uh, that's everything that I was able to find that wasn't too in-depth, you know, I kind of just wanted to briefly go over the dark web before going more in-depth on Silk Road and 
hitmen for hire and other shit like that because that's going to be some interesting stuff but that's too much for just one episode anyway that is going to wrap up this week's episode i hope to see you next week bye